Hello and welcome to the stack. And right in time for the French elections, Le Monde launches an English-language digital edition. I speak with their CEO, Louise Dreyfus, plus Astra, a new international magazine of literature. Enjoy the show. From Midori House in London, this is The Stack, 30 minutes of print industry analysis, and I am Fernando Augusto Pacheco. This weekend, France goes to the polls for their election runoff, and now international readers of Le Monde will be able to see some of the paper's work in English. This month, Group Le Monde launched an English-language digital edition, coupled with a daily newsletter, with the intention to show France's view on international news. I spoke with the CEO of Groupe Le Monde, Louis Dreyfus, about the new initiative and what it means to Le Monde. To expand our internationally our circulation is an old ambition at Le Monde since our coverage of international news is a priority for us. However, because of the cost of printing and distribution, it was very difficult to find a business model to get an expansion, an international expansion for Le Monde. And obviously, to produce only in French was also a constraint. Thanks to uh, the expansion of digital and thanks to the progress with artificial intelligence, we thought uh, it may be a good time for us to reconsider our strategy to expand internationally and obviously the expansion of digital subscription offer us a chance to build new line of revenues for Le Monde. And lastly, we thought that the presidential election in France could be of uh, huge interest internationally and so could give us uh, the right exposure to launch a new product, meaning a product for people who are not able to read us uh, usually. So we, we worked on it over the past six months and um, two weeks ago, we launched Le Monde in English. We will uh, distribute around 70% of our content translated in English through professional translators. We hired 10 journalists either in Paris or in LA to edit the content to give a context the content and to make sure that the translation is uh, relevant and we launch it and uh, so far we are quite uh, happy with um, with the results meaning uh, we have a growth of the audience and we even add new subscription and that's that's great for us for le monde uh, who consider itself as a, what we call a journal de référence the reference newspaper i think we we are eager to share with a larger audience the way we cover French news, European news, and international news. I think for even for somebody in, in London or in, or in New York to have another view of what's going on in, in Middle East, on, in Asia, on Africa, could be an interest. So we are not a competitor of the local media, but we could, be, uh, we could offer another point of view. And I think it's relevant right now. It's interesting to show the French view of the world as well, because sometimes, especially when it comes to the English language, you're, you know, you're dominated by either British publications and broadcasters or American ones. So that's a good kind of, even a way for France to show its soft power with, with a brand that is so respected, right? 
right and 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 probably to share with our readers or international readers that the u.s point of view on international news or the british point of view on international news are not the only one and we can have a singular point of view uh, we are publishing serious news we have more than 500 uh, journalists on staff so we have the resources to be on the field but i think it, it's very interesting to be able to compare or to add to what you are reading usually on your with your local media another point of view so uh, Louis, how will it work i mean can you do a subscription specifically for le monde in english and i believe there will be also a newsletter as part of the whole kind of uh, launch campaign right yeah you will be able to subscribe only to le monde in english with a launch tariff around two euros 50 a month so uh, much less than what you uh, you would uh, find on the market for quality newspapers and a daily newsletter will uh, promote the best stories on le monde in english I think I, I must add something. Uh, we will cover uh, serious news. We'll cover war, economic news, politics, but also the French way of life, style, food, fashion, uh, design. And I think it could be uh, also interesting for many, many readers to get this opportunity to read those contents produced by French uh, journalists about French uh, way of life. And that's another aspect of what we invest in at Le Monde with um, M Le Magazine du Monde, which is uh, one of our best products. We will translate it, its content and you will see it in Le Monde in English. And of course, for my own interest, I, I must ask as well, is there perhaps a plan to do something print in English as well? No. <laughs> uh, that's okay. No, that's okay. It's, it's, uh, unfortunately, it's too too costly and the market would be too difficult to find for us. So we will invest more and more in foreign languages, more and more international distribution, but I think it will be through digital. Sorry for that. No, that's, that's okay. And, and I was going to ask, Luis, I was looking at the numbers. It's impressive, the rise in kind of, uh, you know, readers of, of Le Monde in terms of subscriptions. You know, I remember even during the lockdowns, People were kind of so depressed about media, but I think Le Monde had impressive numbers. If you could share some of them with us. Yeah, Le, Le Monde, uh, I, I took my position at the Elm of Le Monde 11 years ago. 11 years ago, our daily circulation topped at 250,000 a day. And we had around 310 journalists on staff at Le Monde. 11 years later, we have a daily circulation that is almost 500,000 daily, so double what it was 11 years ago. And we are now more than 500 journalists on staff. And we are profitable. We have been profitable for the past six years. So the good thing for the media for us, and if, if we can be an example for others, that if you invest in digital and in your staff, you may find a business model that and is a virtual circle. And the more you invest in the staff, the better is the content, the more you, subscribers you will have, the more money you can have to reinvest in the retail staff, and, um, and the better you are. And so that's as an example to follow. It's not uh, possible for every media, but for quality newspaper, I think there is a uh, way to invest and to find a business model.
And that's, that's a very, very good news for us. If you remember what was the views on uh, uh, quality papers or newspapers 10 years ago, we were supposed to be dead now. And actually, no, we are not. So that's, that's good news. Very good news. And I was going to ask, is there any specific markets that you're really looking to outside France? Uh, of course, I know Le Monde always had a connection with uh, you know, some countries in Africa, Le Monde, Afrique. But is there any markets? I mean, you did mention London and New York there, for example. I, I think the, the US market is obviously a huge market for us. And if you look at the score of digital subscribers that have been collected by either the Washington Post or the New York Times, I think even if we can seduce a small chunk of their subscriber portfolio, it would be a great success for us. Uh, the numbers are huge over there. People have a strong interest in the international news. The more pandemia you have, the more conflict you are, more uh, war in Europe you have, the best, the, the more interesting is, or the more relevant is Le Monde. I think it's in this context that we are launching Le Monde in English. And I know you launched two weeks ago, but this is the time to do it because of the French election. I think the whole world is paying attention to France, including myself, I have to say. For example, I love in the first round the graphs you do from the maps yeah. of France. I think this is, even if you don't speak that well French, I think such a great way to visualize an election as mm. well. So I presume it's going to be a very busy weekend and in terms it, of it readers really, for Le Monde. <laughs> yeah, it will be a busy weekend. And speaking of international targets, obviously for us, Africa is another target. But in terms of business model, as you may know, it's much more difficult to get subscribers in Africa because there's a very small number of users paying for digital content. So it will be slow for us, but we'll still reinvesting a lot to better cover Africa. But in the meantime, Le Monde in English could be another way to um, diversify our revenues and our audience. And uh, it's, it's one of the projects that I saw the total staff of Le Monde being the more proud of at the time of the launch. Because for them, at the time when everybody had, had the feeling that uh, our environment is more and more constrained, to see that you are working for a company that you want to, to look abroad to, and to diversify and to look for a new audience abroad, I think it's very gratifying for the staff. So it's a good moment. That was Louis Dreyfus, the CEO of Group Le Monde. And stay tuned to Monocle 24 for more coverage on the French elections. We'll be in Paris this Sunday and Monday covering the results. Monocle's May issue features our 2022 Design Awards, where we celebrate the world's best architects, urban planners, graphic designers, furniture makers and more, carefully selected by our editors and design correspondents. Elsewhere in the issue, we head to northern Norway to witness NATO's military exercises and to Georgetown to explore how Malaysia's tropical tech hub is booming. We also look into the draw of Japanese manga in France and meet Iceland's duck feather foragers who are behind some of the world's highest quality down. All of that plus our regular round of reviews, fashion inspiration, travel tips and more. Order your copy of Monocle's May issue today or subscribe to get instant access online.
Also on the show, in fact, there's a little connection to our first interview with the CEO of Le Monde. Astra is a biannual magazine about international literature, featuring translations from writers from Brazil to China, sharing views from different parts of the world, coupled with beautiful design in its pages. They can be fiction, poetry or comics, with internationally renowned authors and new voices. I had the pleasure to speak with Astra's editor-in-chief, Nadia Spiegelman, and the title's creative director, Shannon Jaeger. It is a literary magazine with an international focus, with a desire to create a magazine that's cosmopolitan, one that can publish fiction, poetry, comics, art from around the world, without having it be that each artist or writer has to represent a singular country, and instead to create a sort of multiculturalism, a place where artists can speak just as themselves and through a whole range of backgrounds. And I was going to ask Shannon, because I know you're the creative director, it's nice that every single story in the magazine has kind of a different color or a different aspect. And I thought it was quite nice. So it made it, it made it special, every single one of the stories. Is that, tell us a bit more about your design ideas for the title. Yeah, of course. Well, in joining the Astra team and working with Nadia, we were hyper collaborative during this entire process and really played off of the pieces and the theme. So for example, issue one is ecstasy. And we built this really solid foundation around like typography and hierarchy using this one family, um, Swiss International Works. Um, and that's a serif and a sans serif and playing that off as there's all these different components. And color came in really naturally as an extra layer to create rhythm, um, kind of this harmonious rhythm throughout the issue as well as highlighting different productions. Uh, so poetry, you'll see, uh, we made the decision that it's on a light lavender, light lavender blue, lavender pink background, and then also using red as a highlight color throughout. So it's a three color system and we're hoping and planning to integrate it into upcoming issues to really elevate and speak to the concept in like a non-conflicting way. Like we, we really wanted it to be subtle and to just help elevate the story. One thing that was so wonderful about working with Shannon is that she understood so immediately that our primary desire was to create something readable, was to create something that made you actually want to read the stories. And she highlighted that and kept that the central focus throughout. But at the same time, Shannon has also worked on her own magazine that had to do with like cultural differences between various cities. And she understood that part of what we were doing was a desire to, to create a conversation from people between writers and artists from different countries, all of which in this magazine is happening in English through really stellar translation and translators. But therefore, that a sort of visual language, that illustration and color can sort of be a universal language that transcends that as well. Tell us about the name Astra. I think it's such a beautiful, beautiful name, actually. It, it, I don't know, for some reason, it reminds me of the universe, but I might be completely wrong. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, so Astra Magazine is part of Astra Publishing House, and the name Astra for the magazine is one of the few choices that we did not make ourselves, but I do really love the name. It means a constellation of stars, which I think is a really beautiful way of thinking about a magazine itself um, as like spots in the sky that together can form an image between them when you start to look at them together. And 
I think, and I might be getting this wrong because I'm really only getting this from Wikipedia, but I think that in Sanskrit, astra specifically means a weapon once it's left the hand. So like an arrow, but once you've thrown it and a weapon that is imbued, that is imbued with the powers of a deity. So you sort of like call upon all the powers of the deity, it goes into the weapon, leaves your hand, and that's what an astra is. And um, I like that as a metaphor for a magazine too. And one interesting thing, I mean, even in, on the cover, it says the International Magazine of Literature. I think it's quite interesting to have a, a magazine like this today because usually li literally magazines, not all of them, but they're very much associated to a city like could be London or Paris and even in their names, the London Review of Books, among others. I love that. Do you think there was a market for a title like this, actually, that because it's really international. I mean, it goes from Brazil to China. Well, everywhere. I love that question. Yes, I really hope so. I mean, fundamentally, I think a magazine is a place. A magazine is a community. It's a gathering ground. It's a marker of like-minded people who want to be in conversation with each other. And it's quite difficult to conceive of how to do that in a way that's decentralized from a city. So it makes sense that so many magazines take place in cities. But I think that because of the way the internet has allowed us to be in conversation more quickly and more rapidly than ever before, and also because of the way in which there's there's a certain rising nationalism around the world that is countered by a shared set of like multiculturalism, aesthetics, values shared by young people in cities around the world that mean that they have more in common with each other, perhaps, than they have with their fellow countrymen. And I think that that, that formation of a community, a global community, means that there's now a space to a magazine that sort of speaks to that aesthetic, to that set of values, and that it can exist. I mean, we're so lucky that we are distributed in such a way that our magazine will actually also be available internationally. So it's available in bookstores in London, in Cape Town, in Singapore, in Melbourne, in Argentina. It's, it's genuinely physically available around the world in a way that is also quite new. And so, and we also have a website. So I think that it's finally possible for there to genuinely be a cosmopolitan magazine that speaks to all cities rather than just one of them and forms a community across them. And Shannon, was it challenging kind of helping to illustrate and design these very international stories because they are quite different as well from each other different cultures and everything yeah well i think it was um it was actually fantastic uh challenge just also because our desire to highlight all of the people involved in each of the articles from the writer to the translator to the illustrator or photographer and also trying to share the more information about what language it originally was written in. So there was a lot of, I would say, nuances. And also I think what was really helpful was the decision that Nadia and the editorial team made around selecting a theme for each issue and having that as the through line and kind of a brief to pull things together. And Nadja, tell us about the choice of authors for Astra. Did you know some of the authors or were you kind of, you discovered someone new during your research? Tell us a bit more about this process. Absolutely a mix of both. One of the very first things that Samuel Rudder, who's the magazine's deputy editor and one of the first people who was working on it with me, one of the first things that we did together was um, create an issue zero of what we wished our magazine could look like. So we like pulled things that had been published in other places and pulled them into an imaginary magazine of like, what if this writer from Argentina was next to this writer from Japan and what would that look like? And, um, and then we used that PDF that we created that we had no ownership of, but that was just sort of like our template for this is what we wanted to be doing. We used that PDF that we created to talk to translators, agents, editors around the world and show them the kind of thing we wanted to make. And we 
also wrote directly to our favorite writers. And that's part of what was most thrilling was just being able to write directly to our favorite writers and say like, we really love your work. We really want to publish you. And the number of positive responses and the amount of work that we got just from those direct cold emails was really, really thrilling. I had also, I'd worked at the Paris Review before starting this magazine. So I had a fair amount of contacts with writers and that also made things easier for sure. And Sam, who's the deputy editor is a translator and he has a wide network of contacts translators and especially in the US translators often act as as agents and as emissaries for the writing that they love they're the ones who are reading the most widely in the languages that they're translating from so reaching out directly to translators creating that community and network and then reaching out directly to the writers who we admired was the first way that we got things. But then, for example, Fernanda, before this, we started recording, we were talking about Maria Clara Drummond's story, and that we came across by um, by reaching out directly to an editor who we loved for Compania in Brazil and asking about what they had forthcoming. And that's another thing that we did is talk to small publishing houses or big publishing houses in the case of Compania, but publishing houses that we respect in countries uh, around the world and asking what their forthcoming titles were because we actually have the capacity to translate ourselves work that isn't otherwise going to be translated. And often in the U.S., when work comes into English, it's because a writer has reached a certain summit of their career in their home country and a publishing house is willing to like take on a whole book of their work. And one thing that we can do with a magazine that's unique and that isn't being done yet is to translate something that is coming out right now. So, for example, Clara Drummond's story, we, we published it simultaneously with the release of her book in Brazil. So we're co-publishing simultaneously and usually a writer must achieve a high summit of their career in their home country country before their work can appear in English. And, you know, I just, just for our listeners who are curious about Astra, so I believe it's a biannual title, right? And it will be available internationally, but can they go and buy on your website as well, for example? Yes, our international readers can subscribe to the magazine and be shipped it at their homes internationally around the world. Our website also, so the magazine itself publishes fiction, poetry, narrative nonfiction, sort of slower slower work in that way and art and comics. And then our website every single day publishes reviews and criticism and essays. So there's a whole community that can be formed there as well. And readers can also hopefully find it in bookstores around the world. And if they don't find it in their local bookstore, can encourage their local bookstore to order it. It shouldn't be impossible. Thank you, Nadia and Shannon. The first issue of Astro Magazine is out now. That's it for this week's show. My thanks as ever to our editor, Nora Hall. If you have any comments or queries, feel free to write to me, Fernando, at fpandmonaco.com. And remember, you can always listen to it again on monaco.com and subscribe the show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Before we go, a little song for you. Secos e Molhados with Flores Astrais, Astro Flowers. You've been listening to The Stack. I'm Fernando Augusto Pacheco. Until next time, it's goodbye from me. Just